Chapter Fifteen of Imperium in Imperio by Sutton Griggs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Weighty Matters with his hands thrust into his pockets and his hat pulled over his grief-stricken eyes bernard slowly wended his way to his boarding-place he locked himself in his room and denied himself to all callers he paced to and fro his heart a cataract of violent tossing whirling emotions he sat down and leaned his head upon the bed pressing his hand to his forehead as if to restore order there while thus employed his landlady knocked at the door and called through the keyhole informing him that there was a telegram for him bernard arose came out signed for and received the telegram tore it open and read as follows waco texas eighteen something honorable bernard belgrave m c come to waco at once if you fail to come you will make the mistake of your life come belton piedmont yes i'll go shouted bernard anywhere for anything he seemed to feel grateful for something to divert his thoughts and call him away from the scene where his hopes had died he sent viola's family a note truthfully stating that he was unequal to the task of attending viola's funeral and that for his part she was not dead and never should be the parents had read bernard's letter left by viola and knew the whole story they too felt that it was best for bernard to go bernard took the train that afternoon and after a journey of four days arrived at waco belton being apprised by telegram of the hour of his arrival was at the station to meet him belton was actually shocked at the haggard appearance of his old playfellow it was such a contrast from the brilliant glowing handsome bernard of former days after the exchange of greetings they entered a carriage and drove through the city they passed out leaving the city behind after going about five miles they came in sight of a high stone wall enclosure in the middle of the enclosed place upon a slight elevation stood a building four stories high and about two hundred feet long and one hundred and eighty feet wide in the centre of the front side arose a round tower half of it bulging out this extended from the ground to a point about twenty feet above the roof of the building the entrance to the building was through a wide door in this tower off a few paces was a small white cottage here and there trees abounded in patches in the enclosure which seemed to comprise about twenty acres the carriage drove over a wide gravel driveway which curved so as to pass the tower door and on out to another gate belton and bernard alighted and proceeded to enter carved in large letters on the top of the stone steps were these words thomas jefferson college they entered the tower and found themselves on the floor of an elevator 
and on this they ascended to the fourth story the whole of this story was one huge room devoid of all kinds of furniture save a table and two chairs in a corner in the centre was an elevated platform about ten feet square and on this stood what might have passed for either a gallows or an acting pole belton led bernard to the spot where the two chairs and table stood and they sat down belton informed bernard that he had brought him there so that there would be no possibility of any one hearing what he had to say bernard instantly became all attention belton began his recital i've been so fortunate as to unearth a foul conspiracy that is being hatched by our people i have decided to expose them and see every one of them hung pray tell me belton what is the motive that prompts you to be so zealous in the work of ferreting out conspirators among your people to be hanged by the whites it is this said belton you know as it is the negro has a hard time in this country if we begin to develop traitors and conspirators we shall fare even worse it is necessary therefore that we kill these vipers that come lest we all be slain as vipers that may be true but i don't like to see you in that kind of business said bernard don't talk that way said belton for i counted upon your aid i desire to secure you as prosecuting attorney in the case when we thus expose the traitors we shall earn the gratitude of the government and our race will be treated with more consideration in the future we will add another page to the glorious record of our people's devotion by thus spurning these traitors belton i tell you frankly that my share in that kind of business will be infinitesimally small but go on let me know the whole story that i may know better what to think and do replied bernard well it is this began belton you know that there is one serious flaw in the constitution of the united states which has already caused a world of trouble and there is evidently a great deal more to come you know that a ship's boilers engines rigging and so forth may be in perfect condition but a serious leak in her bottom will sink the proudest vessel afloat this flaw or defect in the constitution of the united states is the relation of the general government to the individual state the vague unsettled state of the relationship furnished the pretext for the civil war the general government says to the citizen i am your sovereign you are my citizen and not the citizen of only one state if i call on you to defend my sovereignty you must do so even if you have to fight against your own state but while i am your supreme earthly sovereign i am powerless to protect you against crimes injustices outrages against you your state may disfranchise you with or without law may mob you but my hands are so tied that i can't help you at all although i shall force you to defend my sovereignty with your lives if you are beset by ku klux whitecappers bulldozers lynchers do not turn your dying eyes on me for i am unable to help you such is what the federal government 
has to say to the negro the negro must therefore fight to keep afloat a flag that can afford him no more protection than could a helpless baby the weakness of the general government in this particular was revealed with startling clearness in connection with the murder of those italians in new orleans a few years ago this government had promised italy to afford protection to the property and lives of her citizens sojourning in our midst but when these men were murdered the general government could not even bring the murderers to trial for their crime its treaty had been broken by a handful of its own citizens and it was powerless to punish them it had to confess its impotence to the world and paid italy a specified sum of money the negro finds himself an unprotected foreigner in his own home whatever outrages may be perpetrated upon him by the people of the state in which he lives he cannot expect any character of redress from the general government so in order to supply this needed protection this conspiracy of which i have spoken has been formed to attempt to unite all negroes in a body to do that which the whimpering government childishly but truthfully says it cannot do these men are determined to secure protection for their lives and the full enjoyment of all rights and privileges due american citizens they take a solemn oath offering their very blood for the cause i see that this will lead eventually to a clash of arms and i wish to expose the conspiracy before it is too late cooperate with me and glory and honor shall attend us all of our days now bernard tell me candidly what you think of the whole matter may i not rely on you well let me tell you just exactly what i think and just what i shall do thundered bernard rising as he spoke pointing his finger at belton he said i think sir that you are the most infernal scoundrel that i ever saw and those whom you call conspirators are a set of sublime patriots and further hissed bernard in rage through his teeth if you betray those men i will kill you to bernard's surprise belton did not seem enraged as bernard thought he would be knowing belton's spirit he had expected an encounter after such words as he had just spoken belton looked indifferent and unconcerned and arose as if to yawn when suddenly he threw himself on bernard with the agility of a tiger and knocked him to the floor from secret closets in the room sprang six able-bodied men they soon had bernard securely bound belton then told bernard that he must retract what he had said and agreed to keep his revealed purpose a secret or he would never leave that room alive then i shall die and my only regret will be that i shall die at the hands of such a an abominable wretch as you are was bernard's answer bernard was stood against the wall the six men retired to their closets and returned with rifles bernard gazed at the men unflinchingly they formed a line ten paces in front of him belton gave bernard one last chance as he said to save his life by silence as to his plans bernard said if i live i shall surely proclaim your infamy to our people and slay you besides the curse of our doomed race is just 
such white folks niggers as you are shoot 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 you whelps they took aim and at a command from belton fired when the smoke had lifted belton said bernard those were blank cartridges i desire to give you another chance if you consent to leave me unmolested to ferret out those conspirators i will take your word as your bond and spare your life will you accept your life at such a low price come here and let me give you my answer said bernard let me whisper something in your ear belton drew near and bernard spat in his face and said take that you knave belton ordered bernard seized and carried to the centre of the room where stood what appeared to be an acting pole but was in reality a complete gallows a black cap was adjusted over bernard's head and a rope tied to his hands he was told that a horrible death awaited him he was informed that the platform on which he stood was a trap-door that concealed an opening in the centre of the building that extended to the first floor he was told that he would be dropped far enough to have his arms torn from his body and would be left to die bernard perceptibly shuddered at the fate before him but he had determined long since to be true to every higher aspiration of his people and he would die a death however horrible rather than stand by and see aspiring souls slaughtered for organizing to secure their rights at all hazards he muttered a prayer to god closed his eyes gritted his teeth and nerved himself for the ordeal refusing to answer belton's last appeal belton gave command to spring the trap-door after he had counted three in order to give bernard a chance to weaken he put one minute between each count one two three he called out bernard felt the floor give way beneath his feet and he shot down with terrific speed he nerved himself for the shock that was to tear his limbs from his body but strange to say he felt the speed lessening as he fell and his feet eventually struck a floor with not sufficient force to even jar him severely was this death was he dead or alive he was thinking within himself when suddenly the mask was snatched from his face and he found himself in a large room containing desks arranged in a semicircular form there were one hundred and forty-five desks and at each a person was seated where was he what did that assemblage mean what did his strange experiences mean he asked himself he stood there his hands tied his eye wandering from face to face within a few minutes belton entered and the assemblage broke forth into cheers bernard had alighted on a platform directly facing the assemblage belton walked to his side and spread out his hands and said behold the chiefs of the conspirators whom you would not betray behold me whom they have called the arch-conspirator you have nobly stood the test come your reward awaits you you are worthy of it and i assure you it is worthy of you bernard had not been killed in his fall because of a parachute which had been so arranged unknown to him to save him in the descent End of chapter 15